Raymond, the 49ers are apparently in talks uh, or trying to put together, I should say, a trade package in an attempt to acquire Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans. My question is, we have a lot of guest hosts that are on this show. And if another rival podcast, many of which we have broken down many times here on the show, if one of our rival podcasts wanted to uh, uh, trade for one of our hosts, what would you consider to be a fair package to gain one of our hosts? Uh, Louis B, Candlestick Will, uh, Johnny Dell. What, 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 exactly, what exactly would it take for this trade to work for you? Gosh, cash, con- cash considerations, um, exclusive weekly interviews with Kyle Shanahan through the 2025 season. Um, a, and, and that's exclusive, keyword exclusive, meaning there's a, you can't go other places and interview. That's exclusive to us. Um, let's see here. Um, perhaps a position on the 49ers front office, um, exclusive chain gang employment, meaning we travel with the team road home. And we are the chain gang, meaning we carry the first down markers every single game that the the 49ers play, including the playoffs. Um, Gosh, um, those are those are the first things I would consider. That's just the first half of the package. I'm I'm not having, you know, we would have to spend at least another 20 minutes discussing the second half of the trade package. Those are just the front three frontline items. And then there's at least maybe about a dozen different uh, peripheral line items, not as important as those first few, but still, you know, bear some merit to, to you know, giving up one of our hosts to one of these other podcasts, whether it's the Swashbucklers cast or the 12th cast or, you know, the professional football podcast cast. Uh, any one of those, uh, it, that, that applies to all those guys. I love it. I love how in this version, these tra- this trade package you're discussing, somehow uh, in trading with another podcast, we somehow land jobs with the 49ers. <laughs> yes. Uh, Raymond, uh, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, It feels fair. Uh, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know, where can they find the gold cast? You can always follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to like, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere that podcasts are syndicated. We can be found under the moniker the Goldcast. If you're on the YouTube's, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment, and hit the little notification bell. That way you will get notified when our episodes go live to the interweb on the line, baby, as we say. And be sure to leave a comment because that feeds the algorithm of YouTube, which it loves so immensely. And we do, too, of course. We love to hear from you. So do the right thing, as Spike Lee once directed. (laughs) 
Do the right thing. All right, folks, we've got a pretty big episode here. We're going to be talking about our brand new coordinators, uh, D'Amico Ryans and Mike McDaniel, who are the defensive and offensive coordinators, respectively, for the 49ers. And then, of course, we're going to ask the question, just how realistic is a trade scenario for Deshaun Watson? We're going to look at this from several different angles. This is obviously the biggest topic surrounding the 49ers the past couple weeks is this possibility of Deshaun Watson coming to San Francisco and being the new quarterback, is that an actual possibility? We're going to discuss it uh, here on the show. But first, the greatest intro to a podcast ever is about to drop. Your professor of fanalism, I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game, he's in the building too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! Raymond, here we are. Another day, another Gold Cast dollar. We are back. Uh, we, today, we are going to begin our episode by discussing our brand new offensive and defensive coordinators. Robert Salah has been replaced by D'Amico Ryans, and then Mike McDaniels has been Mike McDaniel, not Daniels McDaniel, has been promoted to offensive coordinator for the 49ers. So, why don't you start by giving us a little breakdown? Who exactly are these two play these two uh, coaches, and why should we care? Well, Mike McDaniel is actually the run coordinator, and Mike Lafleur, brother of Matt Lafleur, who's the current the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, going into his second straight. Uh, NFC Championship contest. Uh, hopefully, they will be taking down the Bucks, but that's another another day, another time, another show. Um, I, I believe that uh, Mike McDaniel. So Mike McDaniel's was the compliment to uh, Mike. Mike McDaniel was the compliment to uh, Mike Lafleur, where Mike Lafleur handled the pass game coordination. Mike McDaniel handled the run game coordination. And as you know, uh, as, it, as it goes with our particular offense, even though the passing game has improved year in and year out, even, even as we've dealt with tons of injuries last season, I did see wrinkles that seemed new. And when certain players were on the field, it obviously lent itself to more dynamic play calling um, from Kyle Shanahan. But uh, the, the strength that that pass game is predicated on is the run game. Kyle Shanahan likes to run the ball. In fact, he needs to run the ball in order to set up all of the very complex elements of the passing game, meaning the pre-snap motion stuff, the, you know, getting, getting, the, getting the right matchups with all of the pre-snap motion. It's meant for confusion. It's also meant for matchup ex ex exploitation. All that stuff is predicated on the run game. And Mike McDaniel is really the, the miracle worker behind that. But now he's going to take over, both jobs of run and pass coordination. He's going to base basically being called the OC, which is different from what it was the year before that. Before that, they had split roles. Each of them, one had run, one had pass. And now Mike LaFleur is going to join Robert Salah as his OC. So Mike McDaniel has been given the official title of OC, and that job will no longer be split between two other individuals. As far as we know, I mean, he's, he's called the OC, even though Kyle Shanahan is really the big OC. He was the, the big offensive coordinator here. That was the whole 
he, he was very open. They were open about how they wanted to do this. You know, they, these guys help him, help him call the plays, but he's all of this play design, all this stuff really stems from Kyle Shanahan. And that's why he kind of owns these guys when he plays them in the regular season, despite, you know, some of the shortcomings of the team in, in terms of health. We, you know, he, he tends to get the best of McVay. He absolutely owns Matt LaFleur. And these are all protégés of his, guys that worked either worked under him or worked near him or with him. Um, these are guys that, that use similar tactics in their play calling, but Kyle Shanahan is still the brains of this, and he there's a reason why you know he's, he's in that position. So uh, Mike McDaniel being in that position is really, really good. And we, I think we should definitely, you know, talk to Johnny Dell about some of the X's and O's as that factors in. But he's definitely, you know, Mike McDaniel earned it. And the running game is amazing. We have a running back committee that no matter who steps in there still does great. And we know that our running game also involves passing in addition to running. And it also involves the wide receivers getting involved in the run game as well with the jet sweeps. Even though the jet sweep statistically um, pumps the stats of the quarterback because it's a forward pass the way it's designed. Um, unless it's a reverse and they hand it off backwards. But uh, regardless, that's still part of run game coordination. And then on the defensive side, we lost, you know, Robert Sala. And, but D'Amico Ryan was the inside linebackers coach. The inside linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. And D'Amico Ryan's has really been the one of the main people that has helped shape the now all pro Fred Warner. And so in Fred Warner's eyes, he actually holds D'Amico Ryans to the same pedestal as Robert Salah, which is quite the compliment. And the fact that he is, he has helped shape, he's been with the team for four years, his, his whole coaching career. He's only 36 years old. He's not that far removed from his NFL career, which was, I think, 10 years between the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles. He's also a two-time Pro Bowler himself as a player and also was a, a rookie of the year, uh, rookie of the year, won some rookie of the year award. I'm not sure. Um, could have been like an, an Associated Press Award, which they give out to multiple players. But um, we know that he is a proven player, played in the league for a long time, and is now a coaching career. Although, you know, it, to me, I don't tend to put Pro Bowls, I don't equate Pro Bowls to success. That doesn't always work. You know, like, uh, for example, case in point, inside linebacker uh, Mike Singletary, who played for the Chicago Bears uh, and won a Super Bowl with them in 85. He went to 10 Pro Bowls and was a Hall of Famer. And he was the head coach for the 49ers, and they went 6-10, and 10, and he was one and done. So it doesn't always translate, you know, uh, for a coaching career. But in terms of D'Amico Ryans, uh, according to our guys, you know, he seems to be good. And this is it's obviously not a head coaching position. This is a coordinator position. So, But the fact that he stems from that same position knows – what is helping Fred Warner do the things that he does on the field to help get the defense in play and to to make sure that they're calling the right look against all these offenses while we're missing key components from every level. The fact that they were finished a top five defense, he's a part of that. He he contributed to that. Robert Salah was the what was the miracle worker that really got a lot of that done. But D'Amico Ryan's I think had a heavy hand considering that he was direct influence to our quarterback on the defense uh, in Fred Warner. So I think this is an I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to work. Is he going to keep the same system? Is he going to throw some new wrinkles in it that he thinks should be should apply? Uh, who knows? Uh, there's only one way to find out. You know, we'll have to hear what he says in the in the interview when he gets introduced because we know that's going to happen, and we'll have to see how that translates on the field, which is the ultimate barometer. 
but so far I, I got no problem with either of these guys. They're guys that have been in the system for multiple years and have know exactly what they're doing. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to be moving up at this stage in their career. I agree. I'm very curious to see what Mike McDaniel's job is going to be as offensive coordinator. Will we see him take on a more – is Kyle Shanahan going to allow him to take on a more traditional approach? Or are we going to keep it the same as we've had it? With basically, he's on the field calling the plays while the defensive coordinator runs a defense. I have a feeling it's going to be the latter versus the former, but we'll see. You know, Who knows? What do you think? I think if it ain't fixed, you know, if it ain't broke – you know, why fix it? Kyle Shanahan's comfort is being the, the primary play caller and designer and working with a coordinator like a Mike McDaniel to also just have someone, a, a second opinion, another perspective that can help, you know, help see the field and provide, you know, different eyes to help expose defenses, which Kyle Shanahan's brilliant at. But his coordinators are these two coordinators have been brilliant with this team as well. Even during the dark years and even during last season, they had moments of flat where they flashed and where we seemed like we were on an upward trajectory, but injuries just kept mounting to keep us away from that. But uh, on the defensive side, I think it's D'Amico Ryan's is just going to do the same thing. Um, I don't expect anything to really change in that regard. And uh, we know that some position, you know, this this position is. You know, Robert Salah struggled in his first couple of seasons. They flashed at times, and then they struggled. So I don't know if D'Amico Ryans is going to have growing pains or if because he's going to have guys like Fred Warner and Nick Bosa out the gate, if that'll help give him a leg up. Plus, he's taking over. You know, he's probably going to keep a lot of continuity from Salah's system because everyone's so comfortable right there, and they do very well, and they finish top five. So I'm not sure what more you need to do other than just simply re make refinements and perhaps put different players as because we're obviously going to lose players in this upcoming offseason. So the new players that come in, helping them fit and putting them into best position to succeed to keep us going at an even clip. Um, so that that would be that's kind of where I see things. Awesome. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I think and it, it's definitely kind of probably be a wait and see. Um, but I do agree that D'Amico Ryans is probably going to keep a lot of the same continuity that we had in the prior year, and hopefully that'll be enough. Now, with guys like Nick Bosa coming back, his job is not going to be too hard as far as getting these guys to really produce. He's, a lot of top players are coming back next year, and so I fully expect this team to remain as competitive as they have been. All right, Raymond, let's move on to the big Deshaun Watson trade rumors. They won't go away. I love it. They actually have been heating up ever since we we started the last time we talked about it, and he heated up considerably, considerably. In fact, last week when we were talking about Eric Bieniemy getting this interview, I said that was basically a wrap. I said you can pretty much call it. I don't think he's coming to San Francisco. And boy, did it, it, instead of the rumor mill dying, it just intensified that much more. And the three top teams that you keep hearing over and over again are the Jets the Dolphins, and the Niners. These are the three teams you keep hearing in the package. The Jets because they the Jets and Dolphins both because they have the first and second pick in the draft. And obviously the uh, Houston Texans are missing a lot of uh, – they don't have a lot of draft picks. And so they, they, they become 
ideal spots because they can land one of the top five quarterbacks that are available in this year's draft. And then obviously the 49ers are interested because we are on the short list of teams Watson is willing to play for. So, Raymond, why don't you break down uh, your thoughts on this Deshaun Watson trade rumor mill going on right now? I mean, is this even realistic? We've heard... Nick Bosa put in there as a possible possibly being part of a trade package. We've heard a Jimmy G. Of course, there's some complications with that side as well. What are your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson trade package? What do you see as being the obstacles? Maybe that's the right question. Well, um, just to clarify, uh, Jacksonville has the number one pick. Jets have two. Miami oh, has Miami has three, which actually ironically right, came right. from Houston. Um, so Miami has three. And the problem, you know, uh, one of the things that, so obviously Deshaun Watson, word has it, you know, he wants out and he definitely wants out. It's a, it's, so now it's just a time a matter of trying to find the right trade partner for Houston. But again, Nick Casario's job doesn't get any easier. Uh, and what feeds, I think what feeds into the motivation of trading to Watson too, is because Houston does not have a first and a second round pick. So they need, if they're going to reset Deshaun Watson really makes a lot of sense in terms of a piece you'd want to use to get the chips you need in order to start the reset properly. And the jets owning the number two pick, it guarantees you one of the top three draft uh, quarterback prospects that are available this upcoming draft. And they're both, they're, they're all supposed to be pretty good. Um, and so I think that that also lends itself to, you know, the, the smoke that the, the smoke that's building up for a possible Deshaun Watson trade is that the Houston needs draft picks. They do. They have not done well in, in acquiring draft picks, especially right now. And the thing is, as Brian Ke- Peacock pointed out, they they're losing with Watson. They have Watson and they're still losing because they just don't have enough pieces around him to help this team get better. And one of their best pieces they traded last year in DeAndre Hopkins. And they did not get they did not get a very good, you know The corpse re- of David Johnson. Yes. That's their, what they got. Their return was a zombie. Um, a bona fide walking dead. And that's just another, you know, just another reflection of how defunct this franchise is. And so bringing in Nick Casario, by the way, is the guy that helped put together the trade package between the New England Patriots and the 49ers when we acquired Jimmy Garoppolo. So getting the 40, so he's not unfamiliar with a potential trade here, even though Bill Belichick was also involved in that too, because he does GM stuff uh, over there. But I think that, you know, Miami and the Jets seem to be, seem to have more capital to work with for a trade. Whereas the 49ers would probably need a trade partner to get this thing done. They would have to give up multiple firsts for Deshaun Watson and potentially a star player. We know that Jimmy Garoppolo does not ha- has a no trade clause. It just applies to this season, no other season. And Deshaun Watson also has a no trade clause. So meaning that Deshaun Watson also could potentially have a say in where he goes. Uh, I I can definitely see that happening. Like, hey, you want to trade me? Well, you know, I don't want to go there. So you better find a different partner somewhere else. I mean, he really. I I would be curious to see how far he's willing to push his leverage if if he decides to push that particular lever at all. Uh, as far as the Niners are concerned, though, it's going to cost multiple ones, 
uh, I think it's going to cost. You cannot have a Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster because Jimmy Garoppolo accounts for over $25 million in cap. Deshaun Watson's salary cap is $15 million. It's It's ten over $10 million less. So you definitely have to give up Jimmy. Jimmy has a no trade clause, so not sh- you know some people have thrown out that the Patriots are potentially that that other partner that would function in a three team trade in order for the Niners to acquire him. The Niners have the least leverage of the teams that can that could use Deshaun Watson that or that make the most sense for Deshaun Watson coming to their team. Uh, the Jets I think are number two, and the Dolphins I think are number three in that category. But in terms of leverage, the Jets have the best leverage. Miami has the next best leverage, and the Niners really kind of need their destiny. They would need, you know, to rely on somebody else. It's, this is it's like a playoff run, right? Where Jets and Dolphins control their own destiny in regards to a trade for Watson, whereas 49ers are dependent on another team in order to fulfill that destiny. This is very interesting, and you're right, because there's a lot of different scenarios, right? If you're Nick Casario and you're you're looking at the landscape uh, of, of what you have out there, right? The, the Jets and the Dolphins are the sexiest partners to trade with. The 49ers are not. When you're, when you're looking at it from the flip side, it makes the most sense for Watson and for the 49ers for this trade to happen. Him going to the Jets, I mean, I understand he likes Robert Salah, and I know that Robert Salah was also on the list of coaches they flat-out ignored and did not even attempt to interview, which I why, – why you wouldn't want to interview uh, coaches that, that – first of all, Robert Salah interviewed with everybody – and why, why you wouldn't want to take an interview with somebody that your franchise quarterback suggests and would like to play under is beyond me. But I digress. That's a subject it's, for another. It's almost like they're trying to piss Deshaun Watson off and force this this whole trade scenario to happen. I, I don't know if that is the way it's done in the NFL with, you know, if, if you run a shitty franchise. But it, it, it almost seems like it's like Houston's trying to blow this up. And I, I just don't know what they're thinking at all but i do know that that to me i i don't see a scenario at this point in time based on all the reports that have come out all the rumors from the quote-unquote sources around deshaun watson and the houston texans where he is not traded i don't see it right now right now i see that him he he has played his last snap for the houston texans the question is where does he end up i obviously uh, being the gold cast we would love to see him come to the 49ers I'm just not sure if we have enough capital or I should say if the Niners are willing to give up the King's ransom necessary to acquire a talent such as Deshaun Watson. We're talking about, in my estimation, the number two quarterback in all of football. It is Patrick Mahomes as the best long ball thrower and Deshaun Watson is right there, a strong, close second. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure either. I, it does feel like a long shot for the 49ers. It's the best spot for him to land as a QB. It's probably the best team for him to go to, but it's a matter of, you know, what are we willing to let go? Like, I, you know, for instance, we keep hearing Nick Bosa being, you know, tossed around in these trade packages. Nick Bosa, that doesn't make any sense. We're going to give up our rookie star defensive end. 
to 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 the Texans. And so now we just we we get the star QB and then we give up the star player. Like we're just we're just now we're kind of at the same spot, but only on defense now. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I under and I don't believe that he's going to be in any final trade package. It just doesn't make sense from a uh, from a te- from a team logistical standpoint of us giving up Nick Bosa. But watch me say that now and tomorrow they're like Nick Bosa traded for Deshaun Watson. Oh my God, I don't know what I would do for that. I mean, because because yeah, you 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 set the defense back, you you get a an amazing talent, but now we have to outscore opponents in order to win. It's not about stopping opponents and and you know dominating them on both sides of the football. We have to dominate them offensively and just hope our defense can get you know enough stops to edge a team. You know, we we become like. Uh, before the Chiefs, the Chiefs won their Super Bowl, we became similar to the Chiefs, where they just outscore opponents. Um, and and to me, that's you're not gonna. It's hard to win like that if if you're just offensively explosive. You you've got to be both on good sides of the ball. John Lynch knows that. Kyle Shanahan knows that. That's why they spent so many draft picks on defense the, the first few seasons because they knew that they. You got to stop people. In addition to scoring points, you've got to stop people too. And if they give up components that help stop people, then you're then the pressure then is mounts on the offense to score points. And you can't you can't make a living in the NFL being that type of team. And I don't think Lynch and Kyle are willing to entertain that. I think there might. That said, I think they'd be willing to give up some of the other players that are perhaps free agents. You know, like uh, you give up multiples, right? You give up. Solomon Thomas, who's not necessarily out of the realm of of being a good player in this league, he's just probably not going to be uh, the next Nick Bosa or J.J. Watt. I, I think that that ship has sailed, but he can be a productive player. But you couple him with somebody else, you know, I I would be okay losing Kerry Hyder in that trade package for Deshaun Watson, especially if it means we keep Bosa. Um, you know, I don't know if. I, I, to me, Eric Arms Bosa's worth more than Eric Armstead and Kerry Hyder, which is why I think people are putting him in that hypothetical scenario. But I would be okay with either one of those players leaving uh, in exchange for Watson. I but I think like look, so you you give Solomon Thomas and a Kerry Hyder over there, or you give Solomon Thomas and a D Ford in that package. I just think that you you try to figure out another way without a Nick Bosa because a healthy D Ford is one of the quickest pass rushers in all of football. But it's just the, you know, what you're obviously taking on some risk with the health issues that he has. But uh, but to me, I just I would try to do this without giving up Nick Bosa. Obviously, you got to give up Jimmy G in that scenario, which is why I think the Patriots, I think, make a really good hypothetical trade partner, because then Jimmy G goes there. They give here. I, I don't necessarily know how it's supposed to work, but. I don't. I'm not sure if the Niners give up three first rounders in a row, but I do think it's going to cost a minimum of two, um, and 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 some more. Uh, it's just a question of is John Lynch willing to give up the future in order to get win in the present? And I know that based on how they've talked in the past, it's not necessarily the philosophy that they want to live by. Yeah, they're not. They haven't really shown themselves to be a let's go all in McVay style and and try and buy buy ourselves a Super Bowl by get, picking up every available player on on the free agent market. That's good. So I agree. I'm I'm not sure how far they're willing to go. They have been 
in these trade talks before with teams and have rarely reached a conclusion for it. So we, this is kind of definitely one of those wait and see moments. But we have to monitor this closely. I, I believe within the next month, Deshaun Watson's going to be on one of these three teams, the Jets, the Dolphins, or the Niners. And I think if the Niners get him, man, I'm – Man, I mean, the possibilities are endless. It's it's hard not to get excited at the prospect of landing one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Easily top top five. I would say easily top ten, arguably top five. I, I think he's top five without a doubt in my mind. Even statistically, if you look at the numbers he put up this past season, he was a top five quarterback in almost every major category, and that was with a 4-12 team. So imagine what he could do with the type of talent that's already in San Francisco. Remember, there is no talent in New York. There is decent talent in Miami. They did finish 10-6 and six this past season, so there is a little bit more incentive there. But again, Miami would have to give up Tua, who they invested into, and the Jets would obviously have to give up Sam Darnold in that package. So in both those scenarios, no, the trade does not happen without either one of these teams giving up a quarterback um, and potentially another star player. We'll just have to see who that is. But I, I think uh, no matter how you slice it, I agree with you that Deshaun Watson is going to be either green, teal, or red and gold uh, at the end of this. Well, we will just have to wait and see. Let me ask you, Goldcast Empire, what is your pick? Who, what is your trade package? What's your dream pay, trade package to send to Houston to get Deshaun Watson? Is a Nick Bosa involved in your package? Is it three first-round draft picks over the next three years? Let us know in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the gold cast and let us know right down there. Tell us what you think is the ideal trade package to land Deshaun Watson. All right, we'll be back later in the week. Lakers-Warriors going on tonight. We're going to discuss that game on Thursday. And, of course, I once again zigged instead of zagged and have survived another weekend of the playoff eliminator pool, although this week is going to be super tight. I don't quite know how I'm going to pull this week off. But So we're going to talk about all that on Thursday. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Slisa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.